Hi, this is Jason. Welcome to this podcast of Bethesda Worship Center's Adult Bible Study. Let's join Pastor Pat Dale in his series on Living Above the Fray. Alrighty then, well I want to thank each of you for coming out tonight. I know there are other things you could be doing this evening and I'm happy that you're able to come in and look into the Word of God. The last few studies that we've had have been very Bible-rich. And of course, this is a Bible study, so, you know, that makes sense, right? (laughs) Well, we've been so Bible-heavy, this study will definitely have Bible. We're not going to teach anything in a Bible study without the Bible. But it's not going to be quite as... uh, It's not going to require you to flip as many pages tonight. We'll, We'll definitely have some verses that we're going to be looking into, but I want to start a new subject, a new series, more than likely is what it'll turn into, and this will be part one. The information that I'm about to share with you and I'm about to teach you is quite sacred to me, to be straight up honest with you. There are things I've learned over the course of my life, and I'm continuing to learn. I've certainly not apprehended. I've certainly not arrived. A lot of this learning comes from experience, but the greatest lessons that I've ever learned in my life has come from being taught by the Holy Spirit, leading and speaking to me, showing me things in the Word that has really just changed my life. It's changed my whole outlook on life, and some of the information that we're going to be covering may not be surprising to you, but I'm going to begin to challenge you through this series I'm going to challenge you to face things you've been hiding from. We're going to challenge you to face things that you've been hiding from. I want to discuss with you for the next several weeks a topic called living above the fray. Living above the fray. There's always going to be drama in your life. I know that idealistically we would love to have a life where there's no drama, where there's no no ins and outs, no ups and downs. We would love to have an equilibrium, perfectly level life at all times. But I'm here to tell you that if you live on this planet, around these people, and if you live with yourself, you're going to have things happening. There's going to be drama. There's going to be activity. There's going to be all kinds of hustle and bustle all around you. Whether you watch the world news or whether you're at home by yourself, there's activities going on. Whether you're by yourself, whether you're married, whether you have a large family, whether you're a widower, there's always fray, there's always activities, there's always unsettling that's going on around you. Whether you live in in a high-rise in the city, or whether you live in a little farmhouse in the country, there's always activity. There's always fray. I want to talk about living above the fray. Now, I think the first place we'll start is there are some things in your life in which you need to take immediate action. And I want to parallel some of these needs in your natural life and reflect them to our spiritual lives. For every crisis that humans um, have, we try to develop a maintenance, an improvement, or a repair for it. I mean, what we try to do is fix something that's not working for us. You know, that's that's our nature, is if we see something not working, we try to, to, to find a fix for it. Chronic obstructive pulmonary 
disease, COPD. You guys have seen the commercials lately, I know. It, it, it's basically involving a constriction of the airwaves and difficulty or discomfort in breathings. Now, there's a lot of subdivisions, if you will, of this. I don't know. I'm certainly no scientist or a doctor. But doctors and scientists have devised a thing called an inhaler, and it is a pressurized medication that can get into your lungs that you need to help manage the airway inflammation and constriction. Now, if you've never been asthmatic or never had any COPD symptoms, you may not understand this, but when you have difficulty breathing and getting a lung full of air, it's very scary. And to think that this one little piece of plastic with a little pressurized chamber on it can change your life. And it, uh, it's a big thing. You take this inhale, and all of a sudden, you can breathe much better. And it does its job. There are people who have bodies that have difficulty regulating blood sugars. And doctors and scientists have looked at this, and they studied, and they devised this thing that we know as insulin. And insulin is a small hormone responsible for reducing blood sugar levels. I don't know how they discovered this. I don't know what all the science that goes into it. All I know is that if you're diabetic, it is oftentimes treated with insulin and it helps, it helps regulate your, your blood sugar levels. Now, to, to those of you who may be 100% healthy, things like insulin and an inhaler aren't a big part of your life. But I can tell you that insulin and inhalers are not simply accessories to those who need them. They're vital to them to have a normal life. They have found a fix to their problem or a, or a minimizer or a help, whatever you want to term it. They have something that's very important to their condition. And there are things in your life today that it seems like you've learned to manage. You've learned to tolerate it. When you think of it right now, if you think about these things that, that bother you, You've learned to manage them. You learn to tolerate, and you can roll your eyes at them. You think, "Oh my gosh, not that again!" And and to the average person, it may seem very minimal. It may seem like, "Oh, that's not a big deal. Why are you freaking out about that?" But you've learned to cope. You've learned to tolerate and manage it. But I'm here to tell you that you have no idea the toll that it's taking on your spirit, man. There's some things in your life that are constantly subtracting from you. I see this as the condition of many Christians today. You're exhausted in your soul and your countenance shows it. When you walk in a room, I can look at you and say, man, that is one tired person. And when I'm speaking of tired here, I'm not just talking about just being tired from missing a few hours of sleep. I'm talking about your your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions. They're tired. They're exhausted. And your face shows it. I want to say something to you. First off, let me let me declare this that we when I say soul, we're talking about our mind, our will, and our emotions. And when you're tired in your soul, let me congratulate you for fighting the good fight of faith. Let me let me congratulate you for trying to fight to stay above it. But if you're constantly tired in your heart, if you're tired in your spirit, if you're tired in your mind, it's not how God intended it to be, guys. This is not God's intention for you to walk through your life tired. What is it? It's John 10.10 10 that says, I've come that you might have a life and have it more abundantly. Now, the word abundantly there we know means fulfilled. So a fulfilled life is not walking through life just tired and worn out and tuckered out. 
because it has long-lasting effects on you. You may say, well, this thing that bothers me, yeah, it's annoying, but it's not a big deal. It's not a deal breaker. I've dealt with it for years and years and years. It's just something I have to deal with. And we minimize the things that we have to deal with. And I'm not for making a mountain out of a molehill by any means. But it's those things that we think we can manage that constantly just subtract. They just subtract. They pull from you. And they pull from your energy. And they pull from your happiness. And they pull from your joy. And they pull from your peace. And to the point where you are beginning to operate in what I call a deficit mentality. Where when you walk into a room, you're really... Not fully plugged in. You're there. You're there in body. God bless you for your discipline. God bless you for your commitment. You're there. But you're haggard. You're tired. You're worn out. And you're tired. The Psalmist David talks about this in Psalms chapter 61. Now, we know throughout this chapter, David is in hiding. There's people that want him dead. This is not just an inconvenient prayer. This is a prayer from a man who's hiding for his life. And let's flip over there, Psalms chapter 61, and we're going to read the first three verses. It's a song of David, and he cries, Hear my cry, O God, attend unto my prayer. From the end of the earth I will cry unto thee. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that's higher than I. For thou hast been a shelter for me and a strong tower from the enemy. How many of you can identify with the psalmist David here says, there's going to be times in your life when you feel overwhelmed. When it's heavier than you can carry. When it's too much for you to think about. When you think about it, you... you get overwhelmed and you go into shutdown. That's what the feeling of being overwhelmed is. And David has this feeling here because there's so much that's happening in his life and he cries out and says, God, attend to my prayer. God, listen to me. Let me have your ear. My heart is overwhelmed. Lead me to the rock that's higher than I. Why? Because God, I know you've been a shelter for me. And you're a strong tower from my enemies. Now, as we go through this study, I want you to understand there's going to be things that we're going to be discussing in which you must process, you know, mentally. There's times when you when you begin uh, aware of something, you have to process. And then there's some things that we're going to go into where your mindset must be retrained. There's other places we're going to go where your reactions must change. And there are some things in which you have to take immediate action on. And this is really where I want to start. I want to talk about things in your life in which you need to take immediate action on. Why do we do that? Why do we need to take immediate action, Pastor Pat? Well, because there are things in your life that are a constant subtraction to you. They're pulling on your, on everything that you are trying to be. You're trying to be a good Christian. You're trying to walk. You're trying to produce the fruit of the Spirit. You're trying to have good things in your life. You want to live a life of God and godliness. You want to have a wholesome life. And you want to be an ambassador of Jesus Christ. The problem is when you're tired, when you're burnt out, when you're overwhelmed, you're not being a great representative of God. You're not really selling what God has to offer. So it's very important that we stop the hemorrhaging. It's very important that we take action immediately. As far as overwhelmed goes, let let me let you in on a secret. The feeling of being overwhelmed is never an initial reaction. You don't just wake up one day very often and, and just feel overwhelmed. 
the feeling of overwhelmed is usually the sum total of not handling things as they come into your life. And, and, I, and I know there's times in your life when you're really busy, you don't really have time to work stuff out. And, and you've got things to do. You've you got to work. You've got a family. You've got a job. You've got a, you got a spouse. You've got children. You've got hobbies. You've got places to go. You've got a full schedule. You, you're getting pulled on every way. And the last thing that you have time to do is deal with the stuff. The drama that's in your life because you gotta be a good soldier. You gotta go work it out. You gotta figure it out, right? So we've gotta be careful of this because we've got to take immediate action. Now, I think that this probably goes without say with you guys. You guys have heard me say this a lot, that your prayer and your worship life needs to be a disciplined part of your day. There should never be a day that exists without you praying. Without you worshiping. And of course there's, there's praising and there's reading the word of God and, and all these things that help build you on the inside. I want you to know there's a distinct difference though. Just as, as David, when he felt overwhelmed, he ran to God. There's a distinct difference in running to God and staying in God. There's a significant difference there. There's a lot of people that when they really get overwhelmed, when they really go into freakout mode, they run to God. Well, that's great because that's where the answer is. I, I'm glad you do that, but it, life is so much easier if you don't just run to God when things are falling apart, but when you stay in God. All throughout the Word of God, it talks about being in Christ. It talks about being having a fixed location in God. To where that's where your mind and your heart and your energy and you, and you have to protect that. Let's flip over to Isaiah chapter 26 and verse 3. This is a Bible verse that really stuns me. It kind of blows me away. I don't know a whole lot of people who live in this verse. It's something that I certainly want to attain to. It's certainly something that I want to get to and, and, uh, and stay there. Not just visit there once in a while. Isaiah chapter 26 and verse 3 says, Thou will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. God, you're going to keep someone in perfect peace. Lord, I'd just like to have a little bit of peace. I'd like to have just a, a break off the peace of peace for me every once in a great while, right? Right? I mean, that would be great. But can you imagine what it feels like to be in perfect peace? How many of you have ever had an experience when you get so lost in the Spirit of God where you feel like you just checked out, man? It felt like you left the earth and you were just caught up. You were just raptured in the presence of God. And in that moment, you didn't worry about anything. You were just in that moment with your Creator, with the Spirit of God, with Jesus. with with, with When God holds you so close and He comforts you so much, you're just caught up in that moment. That is a moment that you are in perfect peace. The Bible says that He can keep someone there, but there's a qualifier, whose mind is stayed on thee. So I'm going to tell you one of the greatest battles that you're going to fight as we go throughout this this series is is not just your discipline, it's not just your attitude. Those things are important, but it's going to be your mind. You've got to keep your mind stayed on God. This whole concept of living above the fray, this whole concept of not living life reactively, this whole concept of living life on our terms as God says we can live it, with His power, with His strength, 
By the way, if you're just determined to have a great life in your own power, in your own will, you're toast, you're dead meat. The only thing you can do, the only victory you'll ever have is in His strength. And the sooner you realize how feeble you are in your own efforts, in your own strengths, the more victories you'll begin to win. Now that doesn't eliminate you from being disciplined and doing things on on your behalf. Because there's this one thing that God gave us that gets us in so much trouble. It frustrates me so much with me. There's things in my life that I get mad at and I can't blame anybody. I can't even blame the devil. And it's this thing called free will. And, and as beautiful as it is to have the, the, the opportunity and the power of choice, it's also the very thing that gets us in the most trouble because it's our will. It's our choice. And it gets us into all kinds of trouble. I'm going to tell you, don't expect to live in peace if you allow your mind to run all over the place. Don't expect to experience peace, much less perfect peace. Not much less uh, those who stay in peace. You, You will not have peace if you let your mind run all over the place. You know what it's like when your head hits the pillow at night, your mind goes a million directions sometimes. You're trying to unwind, and you start thinking about the job, you start thinking about the wife, you start thinking about the husband, the kids, you start thinking about the church, you start thinking about this and this and every place that you have to be, and your mind just cycles, and, and, and the film strip starts. That's what I call it. Or the movie starts in your mind, and you think about all the things that you have to do. And if you allow your mind just to run at random, you will not experience peace. I want you to realize that the fallout of your toil, all this work, all these little things in your life that are subtractor, the the fallout of your toil is who gets your leftovers. If you start a day at 100%, and these little nagging things keep saying minus one, minus one, minus one, minus one, by the end of the day, by the time you come to, let's say, a Wednesday night Bible study, by the time you walk in that door, and you fought with the boss and your coworkers, and and you fought with the kids, and you you had this, you had that, and you had this. By the time you show up in a place where you can receive, in a place where you can give, there's not much of you left. Who gets your leftovers? It's important that you realize the fallout of your toil, of your efforts, of your strength, of of allowing things in your life that you need to deal with. I'm telling you, you're going to have to face some things that you've been hiding from. How many of you have ever been freed from something? I mean, you were in bondage of something, and the, the prayer of faith broke it open for you. Anybody? Yeah. Yeah, see? Now let me ask you this question. How many of you have ever been freed from something, only to be entangled by it again? Oh, yeah, I see the hands. There you go, see? I know what it's like to be freed from something and then find myself right back in it again. So what does that mean? That means that God's power failed us, right? <laughs> isn't, isn't that, wait, no, that's not true because God has no variableness. He doesn't have weak days or strong days. He done his thing. He set you free. He broke it off of you. God has all the power in the universe, and He can break every bondage off in your life. And here's the bad news, guys. After the breaking, after the breaking of the bonds and and the bondages, after He breaks it off of you, after the breaking, there's a walking. 
After the breaking, there's a walking. You have to walk in the freedom that's been established for you. And there's where we get into trouble. I know, uh, I've seen people here, even in this, even in great altar services where they've been set free from unforgiveness and only to see them a week or two later walking because they picked that offense back up. I've seen people free, uh, myself even, freed from fear of something and then only to find myself back in worry land in a short time. So God has the power to break you free from something, but then after the breaking, there's a walking. And it's very important that we understand that. I've stated this before, but a lot of preachers have been great about teaching hope, but not a whole lot of teaching on cope. We tell you to hope, 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 hope. That's great because it's out in front of us. It's encouraging. We need to keep our hope. If we lose our hope, we're in trouble. But I want someone to help me cope during the week. When I'm at home, when I'm at the office, when I'm pulling my stinking hair out. Somebody give me some tools for coping. I'm going to tell you that how you feel and what you think must be challenged. How you feel and what you think must be challenged. Most of us have thought the same way for so long. It's become our identity. We have felt the same way for so long that it has become us. We're used to it. It's part of those things that we manage. Which leads me to this. There's a lot of Christians that are running on empty. Running on empty. Back several years ago, in anticipation that people's lives would get busier and people would get more mobile, in 1973, a gentleman by the name of Martin Cooper was an executive at a company called Motorola. Motorola is credited for making the first cell phone that actually worked. And the first cell phone call was made by this gentleman called Martin Cooper. And ironically... He made the phone call to his largest competitor at Bell Labs. In essence, you can say the first phone call was a prank phone call on a cell phone. We should have known from his origin that it was going to cost a lot of headaches because my cell phone uh, loves to beep and ring and get text messages. And they're so awesome. How many of you here have cell phones? It's amazing to me. Now, how many of you would go on a multi-state trip without your cell phone. Would you do that? How many of you would get in your car and you're going to drive five or six states away? How many of you would take that trip without a car charger? Well, cell phones are great because they keep my schedule. They get all my contacts. I I got my calendar in there. Um, I can get my emails through it. I can get online through it. And, and I finally just jumped in uh, to an I-4. So, you know, now I'm I'm up in the right decade now, you know. And it's really exciting. It's kind of like a traveling secretary in some ways because it's really cool. I'm very informed and it keeps me, helps me keep me on schedule. But what good is a car phone? What good is a cell phone? What good is a home phone? What good is it if the battery is dead? I'll tell you what it serves as. It serves as a paperweight. Because while it can do all these awesome things, it can keep your schedule and you can call people for help. 
You can call if you get in trouble. It'll keep you on schedule. It'll keep you informed. It'll keep you up to date. It'll keep you socially active. What good is your cell phone if the battery is dead? The only thing that it can do then is be a paperweight. And there are many Christians who are living their lives and their battery indicator keeps flashing. And their battery keeps beeping at them, telling you, listen, man, I know you still work right now, but your battery's about to die. Uh, you're running on very low. There's very little reserve left. And, and you keep pushing through and you keep going through. You keep tolerating life and things keep pulling at you on every way. But your battery is flashing. Christian, you're running on empty. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Flip over there. This is so familiar, you'll know it the, the minute I begin to read it. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. This is Jesus talking. It's in red in my Bible, right? And he says such soothing words. He says, come unto me, all ye that are labored and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon me, learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. And you'll find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I don't know if there's, if there's possibly even any better words that a running on empty Christian could hear when Jesus says to you, come to me. I know you're tired. I know you're tired of being a good Christian. I know you're try, tired of trying to do everything right. I know you're tired of trying to jump through the hoops and, and keep all the rules. I know what it's like to be tired. Come to me and I'll give you rest. I'll give you rest. And that phrase means I will refresh you. And when he says I'll give you rest for your souls, it's talking about I'll give you an intermission. I'll give you a break. Wouldn't you just love certain days to be able to take a time out and say, look, this is too much for me. I'm on full freak out. I need a break. I need an intermission. And Jesus is saying, I'll give you rest for your souls. I'll give you that break you're looking for. What you need is rest. What you need is rest. Jesus offers that to us. Don't think you'll be rested if you don't spend time with him every day most of us want people to think that we spend time with him every day the harsh reality is it's not necessarily the truth we want to we have desires to but life gets in our way and people and things and situations pull on us and we don't always get a chance to be with him like we should Psalms chapter 27, verse 1. You don't have to turn there, but it's another psalm of David. It says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the light of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Whom shall I be afraid? He is my strength. It's important for you to realize that as important as your attitude is, it's not the strength that you're looking for. As important as your outlook is, it's not your strength. Your strength comes from God. Your strength comes from the Lord. And the sooner you realize that, the better off you'll be. One of the reasons you're so tired is because of so much self-effort. 
And when you're trying to live above the fray, and we're out in the front yard taking swings, and we're fighting with shadows, and we're trying to put this fire out, we're trying to put that fire out, we're trying to put this fire out, and then we, we go into our backyard, and there's another drama going on back there, and we have to try to put that to rest. And then on our side yards, in our front yard, and we're trying constantly, and we're so tired of managing our life. Jesus says, I'll give you rest. Psalmist David said, he's my strength. Let's go into one more before we close tonight, and and we're just going to kind of touch on this. And I want to talk to you for a moment about heaviness. There's a feeling of heaviness that comes over you. And I don't know how you experience it, but let me tell you how I feel it. The spirit of heaviness. I feel a literal weight upon my chest, upon my person. It's so intense. When I, when I talk about heaviness, I'm not talking about something that just miffs you, something that just kind of, oh, that rattles my cage. No, I'm talking about something that's heavy. The spirit of heaviness rests for me on my chest, and I feel it. And it slowly envelops me. It surrounds me. It wraps its arms around me. And the spirit of heaviness, it starts heavy, and it gets heavier. And heavier and heavier. Let me warn you about that. The moment that you first experience it, maybe you don't feel it like I feel it. Maybe you, you experience heaviness differently. Maybe for you it's in your mind. Maybe for you it's in, it's, it's in your mind and you feel frazzled. But for me, I feel it physically on my chest. Probably a result of anxiety. I don't, I don't know all the biochemistry of it. But I do know that I feel heaviness come on me. And the moment that you feel that... You need to get proactive and come against it and recognize it and come against it and say, heaviness, you will not overtake me. The problem is we wait until we're overwhelmed to run to the rock that's higher than I. The moment you begin to feel heaviness come on you, you have to come against it. You see, you can deal with things on step one and two a lot easier than you can try to do damage control at step 49 or step 50. We let it get progressive. The thing about heaviness is that it reproduces itself. It gets bigger. It gets bigger. It's kind of like a cancer. A cancer wants to be able to multiply. And it wants to be able to spread. Heaviness will never stop at a level of toleration, guys. It'll never stop just being a tough little feeling you have to carry through your day. It never stops at a feeling of toleration. It'll increase How does heaviness increase? Because it will begin to show you everything else in your life that's going wrong. You can begin to feel heavy about this one area, but then the old film strip starts. And that film strip starts and it gets kind of scary because it will say, look, this area of your life is heavy. Look, there's bad news here. But also, by the way, look at this. Look at your bills. Look at your children. Look at your marriage. Look at your income. Look at your debt. Look at your church. Look at your friendships. Look at your relationships. In fact, I want you to look all around your life and heaviness begins to multiply itself. And it wraps itself around every area in your life if you let it. 
You better learn to come against heaviness. The Bible says, put on the garments of praise for the spirit of heaviness. There are disciplines that you're going to have to walk out to live above the fray. There's times when you're going to have to be spiritual when you ain't feeling spiritual. There's going to be times when you have to praise when the last thing you feel is grateful at that moment. That's called a sacrifice of praise. You say, the last thing I feel like doing is praising God. All I feel is heaviness. I feel, I feel depression coming on. I feel, I feel hopelessness coming on. That's when we have to work and rise above the fray. That's why the Bible says, think on these things. Because heaviness, by the time it gets a hold of your life, it completely and totally engulfs you in despair. And you have a heavy heart. You have a heavy heart. I'm going to tell you that these things are not okay. These things are not normal. I don't care if you've dealt with them for decades. It's not okay. It's not normal. Because you are living your life in a deficit. You're living your life not fulfilled. You're living under what Jesus said, I've come that you might have. It's not okay to operate out of a deficit. Because when the people around you at work, the people around you in your family look at you, what do they see? What is it that you're selling? Are you selling a broken, run down, tired, heavy Love? That's not what Jesus is. That is not what Jesus came. That is not what he represents. That is not the gift he offers. But yet that's the face of Christianity in many cases today. And I'm saying that if we can get a core of people here at Bethesda Worship Center turned on and to begin to live above the fray, I believe we can change this community. I believe we can change the mentality And we can begin to live where we're called to live. The greatest enemy in my life is me. Yes, there's baggage that I carry that has been brought on by the enemy. There's seeds that he's sown and and he's moved on. and, And I've had to reap some of those seeds that I didn't get rid of. Yes, yes, the devil is real. Yes, I have baggage that that he's put on my front door. And yes, he sets traps. But the biggest enemy in my life in this time on this earth is me. And the way I process and react to things in my life, I get caught up in the fray instead of living above the fray. 2 Corinthians chapter 2 Verse 11 talks about the reality of Satan. Of course, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11 says, Lest Satan should get advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. You can't be ignorant. He set traps for you. He wants you to fail miserably. He wants you to run on empty. He wants you to feel heavy. He wants you to continue to let things subtract from you. He wants you to walk around broken. Because a broken Christian is a bad testimony of the goodness of God. We've got to find ways. We've got to find ourselves. And I'm going to challenge you today that you be like David said in Psalms 139. Search my heart, O God. See if there be any wicked ways in me. Now we know the word wicked there is not talking about you being uh, playing with a Ouija board. It's not talking about you being a witch or a warlock. The word wicked there means see if there be any wi- any weakness in me. Lord, search my heart. 
The Bible says that he'll search the deep parts of your heart with a candle. There's things that he's going to show you that aren't pretty. Get ready. I'm sorry. There's going to be things that he exposes to you that you thought you could manage. You didn't think they were a big deal. But when he puts his light on it, he's going to say, this is a weakness that you're going to have to face off with. And that's what this series is going to bring. I know I've laid a lot of foundational truth, and I'm excited about what we're going to begin to talk about next week. Next week will be a little more nuts and bolts uh, things to ha- ways to handle things, ways to process things, ways to react. But I wanted to kind of lay this foundation that we have to stop the hemorrhaging right now. We've got to be aware of the spirit of, of weakness and weariness. We've got to be aware of the spirit of heaviness. And these are things that we're, we cannot adapt to. We cannot get comfortable with. We cannot be ignorant of the devices that are in our life that are set traps before us. Amen? Amen. Let us pray. Thanks for listening to this podcast from Bethesda Worship Center. For more information on BWC, check us out on the web at BethesdaWorshipCenter.com. You might also choose to join us either for Sunday service or Wednesday evening Bible study.